Welcome to the Vaco County Pulse. This special legislative edition of the Pulse is focused on the issues before the 2019 General Assembly session. This podcast is developed by the Virginia Association of Counties and shares with our listeners the pulse of Virginia County governments. I'm Joe Lurch, FACO Director of Local Government Policy and your host for this segment on the Virginia General Assembly. Our show today is sponsored by the Berkeley Group, a full-service local government consulting firm employing public sector experts. Located throughout Virginia, the Berkeley Group provides personal attention and superior service to local governments across the Commonwealth and beyond. Visit them at www.bgllc.net. My guests today are Vaco lobbyists Katie Boyle and Jeremy uh, Bennett. Um, first, though, before we begin, I want to give an update on the 2019 General Assembly session, which began on January 9th. We're on day 31 of the 46-day session, so we've made it to crossover or beyond. Uh, the final bill count of those bills that were introduced was 2,691, of which more than half have failed. The remaining bills have passed the respective chambers and have crossed over for further consideration. Um, and just so our listeners know, we have worked on many of these bills uh, as they've uh, made their way through the chambers. The one bill remaining that will be of the most interest to counties is the budget. Just yesterday, the House and the Senate have adopted their versions for spending for the upcoming fiscal year. Katie, will you tell our listeners how these competing versions are similar and, and where they are different? Um, sure. So, um, yeah, so as you mentioned, this has definitely been budget week down here. We started with um, what we affectionately call Budget Sunday, where the House Appropriations and Senate Finance Committees um, reported out their respective budgets. And then on Tuesday, we had a chance to see sort of the full text of those amendments. Um, and then on Thursday, yesterday, um, the House and Senate both debated their budgets um, and passed them. Um, the House has already indicated who their conferees are going to be, even though the budgets aren't formally in conference yet, but I think they're heading that way very quickly. Um, interestingly, the Senate actually made some floor amendments on Thursday, which is somewhat unusual, um, so you can sort of see the process kind of evolving as we go. So um, just to sort of back up a little bit on kind of where we started, um, I think our listeners are probably pretty aware of the, the governor put his budget in in December, and... Um, it was built around um, a couple of things, some underlying economic growth. You know, Virginia's had pretty strong growth in our general fund revenues. Um, the, also, the expectation that we will start seeing some additional sales tax collections as a result of the Supreme Court decision in the Wayfair case, which has to do with um, collections of sales taxes from remote sellers or online sellers. Um, and then also sort of the big crux of the debate that's been going on about the budget is um, revenues as a result of federal tax reform that was passed in 2017. So um, those, because of the way federal tax policy kind of intersects with state tax code as it stands now, there was an expectation that there would be um, considerable revenues um, rolling in for a temporary period for individual income tax provisions. And so the governor um, set some of that money aside for some limited term priority spending um, on things like broadband and reserves, et cetera. Um, the House and Senate have decided to kind of go a different approach on tax policy. And so, um, by and large, they stripped out quite a bit of that limited-term spending. They keep some of it, um, but they sort of take a different approach on how they get there. So, um, 
I think those are kind of the big differences from what was introduced. I mean, I think the the priorities are kind of similar. Um, teacher salary increases, which I think Jeremy can speak to in some detail. School safety um, is a big interest. Um, shoring up the, the cash reserves um, is, I think, a priority of, of the administration as well as both chambers. Um, there had been some anxiety about our bond rating in the past, um, and one of the things that the bond rating agencies had pointed out was that our reserves is not, are not as high as some of our, our fellow AAA-rated states. So there's some interest in, in putting that, kind of bolstering that, and then also um, putting some money into broadband, you know, maybe not as much as the governor had done, but but both. So I think there's a lot of commonalities out there, and, um, you know, maybe Jeremy would want to talk a little bit about sure, that. Sure, sure. Now, stuff. before we, we, we get to Jeremy, though, one of the things, and you were just at, uh, I think, a hearing on Senate finance. Yes. And there's um, a way, it looks like a path forward potentially for settling this issue of how we conform to the federal tax code, and can you explain a little bit about that? Well, sure, I will try. It, as you said, it's very sort of hot off the presses. Um, there's been kind of uh, two different approaches in the House and the Senate, but it looks like overnight um, there have been some discussions between the two chambers and with the administration. Um, and this morning in Senate Finance, the um, the House bills were before Senate Finance, and they uh, conformed those House bills to the Senate version, um, sort of the Senate compromise version, and reported it out. Um, and so I think what, what you'll see um, coming out of the Senate, which seems to be have the concurrence of at least the House Republican leadership, is um, uh, a refund for some of the individual income tax provisions, some changes to the standard deduction going forward, um, and some changes to some business tax provisions, and then putting some money into reserve. So those are kind of like the broad outlines of the deal. And so, um, you know, I think until that question was settled about sort of how much you have to spend revenue-wise, you know, nothing could be resolved in the budget conference. And so, you know, if there's, as we said on here, peace in the valley on revenues, then I think the budget conference could probably proceed pretty quickly. So. Now, and, and tying this back to the governor, so, and, and this was out in the, pre, in the newspapers today, is that he's going along with this plan, apparently. That's what, that's what we're hearing. Yeah, and yeah. so it doesn't include the, I think, the money that um, he had in his introduced budget that was expected right. um, as part of the whole, the tax deal. And, and I yeah. guess the question moving forward now is, can they come to agreement in time enough for tax filers, um, you know, filing yeah. returns? Because that's, that's been big been in the a news. Big, that's been a big issue about, um, you know, typically when, you know, every year there's, you know, the federal government will make some small tweaks to the tax code and Virginia will conform. And, and usually it's a, just a routine bill and it rolls through with an emergency clause. So it takes effect as soon as it's passed. And so um, that the question of the emergency clause has been an issue because it takes a super majority vote to get it through. And there's been some question about whether you could get the votes for it. So uh, this morning, my understanding is that the emergency clause is back on the bill. So, um, you know, in theory, that could roll through. The The tax department has been accepting returns, but hasn't really been able to process them yet. And there is a hope that that, that could be resolved pretty quickly so that, you know, they could start issuing refunds. Okay, so we'll just wait and see, I guess, in the next yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, I that, think So it'd have to go quickly. through, emergency provision would have to go through both the Senate and the House. Right. And then it gets signed into law. That's right. So we'll see. I mean, things are developing pretty quickly, I okay. think. Okay. We'll, st so. we'll stay tuned That's on right. that That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, Jeremy, welcome to the County Pulse. This is your first uh, time being on here. Um, so you cover education for VACO. And, you know, particular interest uh, in the, the House and the Senate budget bills is how do they allocate funds through through K-12 to education, which is really, you know, the big source of, of what our governments raise and spend money on, our county governments do. And probably of real keen interest, and Katie touched on it, was 
um, the proposed uh, provisions in each budget for uh, teacher pay raises. Right. Well, thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here for my first County Pulse, and uh, we definitely got a lot of feedback from our membership because this is an important issue with a significant uh, potential local fiscal impact. Um, you know, the governor, the House, and the Senate versions of the budget both proposed an additional 2 percent uh, salary increase for funded uh, standard of quality SOQ positions. Uh, this is on top of the uh, 3 percent raise that was approved um, the last General Assembly session for about $130 million uh, for the state share. Now, now, Virginia currently has a teacher shortage of about 1,000 open positions in the Commonwealth, and one issue that is partially driving these vacancies that has been discussed is the issue of teacher compensation, since we currently are about 30th in the nation in terms of teacher pay, and we like the national average about $9,000. So as a result, we've seen a real willingness from policymakers in both houses and from the governor to try and increase the state, or at least provide state uh, funding to help with the compensation issue. So the governor and the Senate proposal, they propose an additional $88 million in state funds to pay for the state share of a 2% raise on top of that additional 3%. Um, that have already, that this is to school divisions that have already committed to meeting the local share of that 3% over the biennium. Now, it, the total raise supported um, by the state for the biennium is capped at 5%. Uh, if a locality committed to, say, a 4% raise effective July 1, 2019, they receive the initial state match for the 3% and then be eligible for an additional 1% from the state effective the same date. Uh, if a locality only agreed to an average raise of, say, 2% over the biennium, they would not be eligible for any state share of a funding raise. Um, the House proposal is similar in that it supports the agreed-upon state share of a 3% raise uh, to locales that provide that local share over the biennium. It also provides, a it provides an additional 2% raise, but it's different in several important respects with regard to local flexibility. First, the 2% raise is not conditional upon the 3% raise, meaning that if a locality is only able to raise their local share of a 2% increase over the biennium, they would still be eligible for matching state funds. Secondly, the House version has an effective date of January 1, 2020, which gives localities an additional six months to raise the necessary funds if they wish to receive the state share of a 2% raise. As a result of the delayed implementation, the House proposal only budgets $44 million for the state share. And um, there's it's important, I think, to note that these proposed raises are optional to localities. No one's forcing them to make these salary increases. And also that they only cover uh, SOQ-defined positions, which due to limitations imposed on the number of personnel. Um, following so, yeah, so to explain SOQ for, you know, so what does that mean? Standards. Yeah, so standards, SOQ is the standards of quality. It's the minimum um, educational standards that are approved by the uh, Virginia Board of Education and the General Assembly that uh, local school divisions need to provide. Uh, to make sure that students are getting a quality el education in Virginia. So it defines things like staffing ratios, class sizes, et cetera. And um, before the Great Recession, there was a more, and it's before my time with VACO, there was a more expansive uh, view of the positions that were covered, um, <coughs> excuse me, through the SOQ. And as a result of the budget crisis brought on by the Great Recession, uh, there were caps put on the number of support personnel, so non-instructional uh, positions in a school district, um, that the state was willing to pay their state share. And as a result, now, the SOQ only covers about two-thirds of the actual personnel um, in most school divisions in terms of the getting state support. And um, I don't think you'll find a single school division in Virginia that just funds their schools with the uh, with the bare minimum that's defined by the board and by the General Assembly. So um, what you have with these teacher salary increases is if a locality is able to come up with their necessary local share of funding for these 
you know, these raises, not only are they meeting the state share of the SOQ funds, they usually have to also pay for raises for their other personnel. Which aren't getting the state funding. Which so are not getting the yeah. state share. So you, 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 if you're a school board or a school superintendent, you're in a very difficult position where you don't want to say to one teacher, I'm sorry, we're only giving you a raise because the state considers you covered, but your colleague who does the same amount of work is not getting not, you're not going to get a raise. So what you find in these situations, if there is a raise offered at the local level, it's usually to everyone in the school division as opposed to just the SOQ-covered position. So um, when we see more, when we see proposals for raises uh, from the state, they're willing to pay a state share, we just have to keep in mind that this, this does have a significant local impact if a locality wants to make, meet that. Meet those raises, yeah. So um, like with any education funding, we're grateful that the state is willing to put money towards our, our localities and towards education, but uh, we're also looking at ways where it's not disproportionately borne by the localities in terms of meeting matching requirements. Sure. sure. And, and I think, you know, and Katie, you can clue, in, uh, clue our listeners in on this. This is one thing that we've been dealing with since the Great Recession is how do we get those SOQ, you know, expanded? Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of a standing position of ours to, to fully fund where we were beforehand. Yeah. And we actually, um, Jeremy was working on a, a budget amendment we put in, you know, to, to um, have the state commit to a plan to, to get back to where we were to what we call remove the the cap on support positions, um, which you know didn't succeed this year. Sometimes it's kind of hard to do it in the middle of a biennium, but I think that's something we're, we're absolutely committed to continuing to work on. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, Jeremy, so I guess the bottom line is with these uh, in the in the budget proposals, you see more flexibility in the House budget proposal versus the Senate, so that localities have some options on how they deal with the, the teacher pay raises. That's that's correct. The House um, it gives the option that a locality, if say they're not able able to make raise the local matching funds for the three percent if they're able to do two percent by january 1st 2020 they're able to get a state share of that uh similarly the um it's kind of the house version breaks the uh three percent kind of separately from the two percent in that um the senate and the governor's proposals you need to meet the three percent before you can try and get the additional two percent to get five percent um so it's it's conditional in other words and the House, uh, it, you can do the 3%, and then uh, you can also apply for the, the 2% later on. It's not conditional pull upon doing one over the other. Got it. Got it. Now, what are some of the other things in the budget um, that you're seeing in the areas that you're working on uh, that would be of importance to our members? Sure. So a lot of, a lot of things stems, with, uh, stems from school safety, and uh, this, this is also a staffing issue, but school counselors. Um, the, all three budget proposals seek to reduce the ratio of school counselors to students in K-12 education, and this stems from recommendations made by the House Select Committee on School Safety and the Governor's uh, Work Group on School Safety, part of his Children's Cabinet, uh, which were formed in response to the Parkland tragedy in Florida last year. And they're lo- really looking at ways, holistic ways, to improve school safety in Virginia, not just talking about school resource officers, armed guards, or physical security, but also um, issues like mental health and support services to help with that. So um, just talking about mental health, it's very important in this regard in that um, 50% of all threat assessments conducted in Virginia and local schools, um, they are related to threats of self-harm. So the mental health of students is is a part of this issue that um, is often overlooked, I think, in the, the national conversation. Um, so one recommendation to address this issue is to increase the number of school counselors in Virginia so that we achieve a ratio of one sc- school counselor for every 250 school 
250 students in elementary, middle, and high school as recommended by the American School Counselor Association. Now, the state only currently provides SAQ funding support for a slightly higher ratio in each level of education, elementary, middle, and high, uh, with the smallest ratio occurring in uh, high, school, high school and increasing in both middle and elementary. Uh, so the governor and the House proposed $36 million to decrease the ratio at all levels, but not yet to the 1 to 250 standard. This is just kind of an initial down payment, if you will, to get mm-hmm. there. And the Senate proposal is slightly less. It's uh, about $12 million for an additional 250 uh, state-supported positions. And like, you know, with any sort of SOQ position, it's laudable the state's willing to provide more funding uh, to do this. But there is, again, the local share that will be required for divisions that currently don't meet these uh, new ratios. And they'll have to probably hire additional personnel to, to get to yeah. that point. So I understand. So one of the things I guess we'll see in the budget conferees is where do they meet on how much they're going to provide local match and funding for that. Exactly. And I should also note that the House budget includes language that allows local school divisions to use at-risk add-on funding to help pay for testing coordinators and licensed behavior analysts uh, in an effort to allow school counselors to devote more of their time to counseling as opposed to other support services uh, that might be covered under a testing coordinator position. And there's legislation in the House that is seeking to uh, mandate that school counselors spend 80% of their time doing direct counseling uh, with students. So this is kind of trying to say, yes, we understand there's a local fiscal impact, but there's other ways you can possibly offset that using different funding sources. And the House proposal also adds an additional $27 million in uh, lottery funding uh, to the governor's, I believe, proposed $35 million. And uh, lottery funding, it's basically, it's discretionary school divisions can use that mm-hmm. um, any way they seem fit to meet their needs. So uh, that's the argument I think we're hearing out of the House is, yes, we understand we're p- potentially placing this local burden on you, but there's ways that you can offset it. Great. All right. Thanks. Well, you know, I think, Katie and uh, Jeremy, thanks for, for giving us this update. Uh, you know, things are in flux, as we like to say. So, Katie, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I just wanted to mention, I'm not sure we already said this, um, but we're uh, putting an analysis out in Capital Contact yes. um, that's going to go out very soon. We're just kind of putting, you know, finishing touches on it. So if people want to really read about sort of what's in both budgets, that's forthcoming. Great, great. Thank you. All right. Well, this wraps up um, our edition here of Vaco County Pulse um, on the General Assembly. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe.